1: Now, let's get into this week's show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Pierce, it feels good to be recording this um, in my own podcast studio and not in the car or (laughs) in some random house where I'm staying. just got to
0: say. Yep, I believe that, man. We were... Burning the candle at both ends.
1: Yeah, we both were, man. We both were. It was a, it was a wild, wild couple of weeks for a little bit of rut hunting there in in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to lead folks astray into thinking that their season is over at this point, right? Like, gun season in Wisconsin is still going on. There are gun seasons that are just opening up all around the country. Um, We got a lot of hunting left. I'm going to be hunting clear into february so the season is not over yet but i want to talk today kind of like it is because i put so many of my eggs in the rutcation basket right right i set aside 12 days in november to hunt now any given year if i hunt 20 days i count that as like a really good year right and that may not be 20 all day sits it may be you know 10 all-day sits and 10, you know, afternoons or, you know, an afternoon and an evening here or whatever. But but days total devoted to actually right. sitting for deer. Uh, I'm not a 40 or 50 sits a, a season kind of guy. I wish I was. I would be if I could sit in my backyard, but <laughs> I can't effectively. And so, um, so I put all my eggs in that basket of uh, trying to get it done during my quote-unquote rut, rutcation every year the rutcation is over pierce i'm back at home you're not hunting like you were Mm -hmm. um we learned a few things right i don't i don't want to wait until the end of the season to sit back and say okay what have we learned because i learned a lot during this trip i don't want to forget it i don't want to lose it i don't want to not share it you know with people who have been listening along and have appreciated what we've had to offer in the past of saying like Here's what we picked up. Like, here's what we learned about ourselves as hunters. Um, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong, all that kind of stuff. So, Pierce, I thought what we would do today, if you're up for it, is to say, okay, we are past what I would say is probably our peak. Like, we're we're past our prime, Pierce. And yep. I don't mean that physically as as men. <laughs> what I mean is that we're past our prime in the deer season. Okay? The rut right. is in many ways behind us. I'll, I still have a rut to hunt. In Alabama, but it's not—it's not like the Wisconsin rut at all. Right, it's going to be very right. different. So the the best of our season very likely is behind us. Um, so what did we learn? I want to talk about what we did well, what we didn't do well, and maybe what we're changing up this year. So let's kick it off with what did we not do well. And Mr. Pierce Nellis, um, just for the record here. How many deer have you killed with your bow this year? One. One doe, correct? Yeah. We're not able to seal the deal during, maybe you're kind of ruckation too. I don't know if you called yours a ruckation, but like.
0: I you wouldn't were... call it a ruckation. You, yeah. you would? I'm not going to be hunting that hard for yeah. for the rest of the year, right. I don't think. I, I, I just don't have the. Don't have the bandwidth for it at this point. Days are exactly. getting shorter, and there's lots of other work to catch up on. Exactly.
1: Exactly. We, bo- we both kind of put our eggs in that basket, right? And yeah. So we'll call them rutcations for both of us. Um, you shot a doe with your bow. I shot a very small buck with my bow. So we do not have the 150s on the wall at this point that we th- mm-hmm. thought we might. Right. So let's, let's discuss, Pierce. What, uh... Where do, you, where do you want to begin,
0: I guess? I should say. I'd should. i like to begin with the stupid blind optimism we had all early fall <laughs> and how that came back to just slap us in the face. No,
1: but, kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, like, and we, We've talked about that a little bit on this show and on the Wisconsin Sportsman. Which you, if you've not been keeping up with the Wisconsin <clears throat> Sportsman podcast, you really need to go listen to it. Like, we've had some really good conversations here lately mm-hmm. uh, revolving around our hunting, and, and we've talked about this blind optimism piece. I don't know that it did kick us in the face though. Pierce. did like, man.
0: I needed it bad. Like I, like, if we did anything right, I think that blind optimism, um, maybe not from the, from the sense, like, or the standpoint of like, it's just going to happen magically or whatever. But at the same time, I think going into, if you're going into a rotation where you're doing 10 all day sits or whatever, like you got to gear up mentally for that. If you don't have a, a full head of steam going in there and just, I don't know a little bounce in your step, I guess, just, just something kind of fueling the fire of just like, Hey, it's going to happen. You know, I don't know. I don't know when, why or how, but it's something's going to work out. I know it. I think you need that to to get through a rut. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And, and, and here's where I'm at. I need to remind myself, here's the rut. You've got however many days you're hunting a good area. Right. If you put those things together, you got a couple days, you know, four, five, six, ten days in the rut in a decent area, you're going to get an opportunity. Right. It's not am I going to get an opportunity. You're going to get an opportunity. Will you capitalize on it? Right. So I think that's lots of reason to have that optimism. Right. Like, like we can go in and be like, really assured, like it's going to happen. We're going to have that moment of like oh, crap, there's a buck I want to shoot, right? Mm-hmm. How are we going to capitalize on that? And, um, you know, I think we're both kind of in a position where maybe that happened and we didn't capitalize. <laughs> so yep. uh, we, could, we could maybe do a couple of things different. So maybe, maybe tell me a little bit about your, your blind optimism. Like, how did it serve you well? And then are there, are there ways in which you're kind of like, eh, but I can't really do that next year?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I, I think it really served me well from the standpoint of just kind of having confidence for better or worse, going into the woods, not being cocky, but just having confidence in, like you said, I'm going to this spot and at some point a deer is going to come through here. I like, I know that for a fact. Um, I think a lot of things contributed to that both uh, you know, from the standpoint of preparation and, you know, both of us were shooting our bows, not as much as we had in years past, but we were both shooting really well. And I, you know, right. we've talked about it several times before that we've each kind of gotten bitten by the, uh, the target panic bug and had to work through that whole process and kind of, you know, refine our whole shooting process as a whole. And that's, I mean, that's been a two two and a half year process. Right. Like it's a, it is not something that's easy to, uh, to just, you know, you you don't fix it overnight. Um, and so I think having the confidence in, in how we were, we were shooting going into it so that if, you know, we're in a position where things, things play out, we were confident enough to, to make those shots. Um, I think just being confident in our, you know, our, our, or woodsmanship was a was a big one this year. I think. Yeah, I, I think just in general, this whole year, like if there was a theme around any of it, I think it's woodsmanship and just being able to pick out where the best sign is and find sign and spot the subtleties. I know both of us were looking at tracks more than we. I mean, at least I can say for myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we were eyeing up tracks and kind of sizing them up and stuff, and uh, you know, j- just reading sign. You know, in that regard, which like normally, like I'll. I'll look at the ground and like, okay, deer trail here and okay, there's a scrape over there, but this year actually analyzing like, okay, no, there's a couple of really big tracks on this trail. I'm going to stay on it. Um, And, and you know, even looking in scrapes too, like, okay, has a big buck hit this recently? Yeah. Um, That was a big one for me.
1: That was a big one for me. Like this is the first year, maybe not the first year, but like anytime I came up on a scrape, most of them had like some kind of leaves in them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking, I was grabbing individual leaves and pulling them out of the scrape so that I could, so that I could save whatever tracks were underneath and look into what's in there. Mm -hmm. And usually that's not my MO. Right. But,
0: right. Yeah. So I think, you know, just having the confidence, like I said, in in the prep from, you know, the shooting standpoint, the, the sign identify, identification and uh, interpretation standpoint, And honestly, just like, I I mean, we we each had some encounters that kind of like fueled the fire big time early on, like first times going into a spot and seeing a buck that we would be very, very excited to send an arrow at. Um, I think stuff like that is, you know, for better or worse, because that that can obviously just drive you crazy and, you know, you can't get too hung up on one specific thing. Um, But, you know, at the same time, you need those encounters. You need that kind of stuff to, to fuel the fire and keep you going throughout the whole rut.
1: Yeah. No, that's good. I think I think for me, the blind optimism helped me in some ways because it was like, I know that if I take these steps and if I do these things, then I go to this place and I, I push myself to get back in here. Yeah, I'm going to have encounters with deer. So like that was really good and helpful. I think there is an element though where the blind optimism maybe dulled my edge just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I don't want to blame it for it necessarily, but one of the things that I didn't do well, and I guess we'll, we'll transition into like what we didn't do well this year. Right. Yeah. Well, we didn't do well. What I didn't do well, um, was when I started my hunt, I did not go in like in kill mode. I did not right. have my head in the right place to kill something. Um, I was sloppy. I was lackadaisical, maybe. Like I was, you know, so for instance, like the first evening in, I get to a spot where I'm going to glass. I want to see something different. So I like get up, shimmy down this little hill and set up in a different spot. My pack is 10 yards behind me. My grunt tube is 10 yards behind me. Yeah, I have my bow and my binos, but like I didn't flatten out the spot. So when I do see a deer, I drop my binos and they fall, you know, two feet instead of just setting them on the grass, like I thought was going to happen. You know, I didn't expect them to like roll down the hill kind of thing. So I would just, I was, the edges were soft, man. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't dialed. And I think that that is linked to my optimism. Like, I think I had this idea of like, it's just, it's going to happen. So like, just be here for it, you know, just, just be here when it does, you know, but I forgot the execution side of things. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of like dulled my senses maybe just a little bit. And I think that cost me, Huh? I know that cost me dear. You know, I know for a fact that cost me dear in my first couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something I'm, I'm going to work on next year. I do want to go into next year being very optimistic. You know, the blind optimism a little bit again. My dad this year, man, didn't put out any trail cameras. Yeah. He's had more fun this year than he's had in any years past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I'm legit thinking about, you know what? I'm not going to fool with trail cameras until... You know, not on my trips anyway, until I get there. And then, right. like, once I'm there, if I want to hang some cameras and check them see if deer are coming through, like, great, that's fine. I'm right. not going to pre-hang. You know, right here at home, yeah, I'm going to put cameras out and watch them all year and see what they do and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think I'm going to do that for the distance thing, man. I just want to go in like I was this year, but I want to have an edge to me. I want to be confident, mm-hmm. but I also want to be want to be dialed and, like, right. sharp. So... Um, that's what I didn't do well, man. What, what's one of your, what's one of your things? Because you know we joked about the <clears throat> blind optimism, but I think that's something that we we did and we didn't do well. Like that, that's kind of both, mm-hmm. right? So what's right. one of the things that like you're thinking to yourself, you're, you're maybe kicking yourself for now?
0: Well, you know, I, I, before we move on to that, like there's something to be said too. I think it's a lot harder than people want to admit to kill on day one. Maybe that's just me, but like yeah. I. I'm someone who, I mean, I'm I'm like you, I, I, I need a day in the woods of like kind of getting my bearings and everything to, you know, really knock the rust off more or less and like, kind of like feel, feel (laughs) lethal for lack of a better term.
1: Dude, I felt Um, like a child. I felt like a child out for a walk (laughs) in the woods, like looking back at it now, that's the best thing I can equate it to. I was a kid Mm -hmm. out there with a bow in his hand. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, and I, wasn't and I think lethal. it's, I think it's difficult to, to kill on day one. I really do. Because like, like I said, like I'm, I'm somebody who takes time to settle in, but also I like hunting, man. Like, I don't want to end my trip day one as much as that sucks. And I know there's the old saying, I'm like, Oh, don't pass on the first day. What you'd be happy to have on the last day. Like, yeah, I get that within reason, but like, I did it a bunch. <laughs> dude, you drove 15 hours. Right. If you would have shot one first evening and packed up and been like, all right, well, I've got another eleven days up here, so what now? Like I know and I know you had plans we would have we would have harassed some fall turkeys and chased some ducks and tried to stack up the doughs, but at the same time it's it's tough to do it right off the bat, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. But but and, and I don't know but then it's Here, done. Here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. If I had had, if I had not been sloppy, lackadaisical, like a child in the woods, I would not have left my grunt tube and I would mm-hmm. not have set my binos down the way that I did. If I hadn't set my binos down the way that I did, I would have been able to pick them back up and look at what was following the dough with, sure. with my binos instead of trusting my eyes. I would have probably picked up on more of the rack of this buck because sure. of that. If I had had my grunt tube, when he started to go in a wrong direction that I didn't like, I could have thrown a grunt his way. That could yeah. have been extremely helpful. Um, and so w- combine those two things, and actually just, just the binos. Like if I had thrown the binos up, seen more of the rack instead of just thinking it was a little fork, Mm -hmm. I would have sent that arrow perfectly. Well, I would have sent the arrow, right? I don't know about perfectly. (laughs) I would have sent the arrow and been tagged out on day one. It was just, I wasn't lethal yet. I was soft. Do you use a bino harness
0: or any sort of strap?
1: Yes. Yeah. uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) I had no excuse not to have them on Pierce. Yes. Thank you for, (laughs) for bringing that up. I have this awesome Vortex bino harness that's super comfortable and keeps them exactly where I want them all the time.
0: So there's do you no use the chest pack or do you use like the, you know how they've got that, it's like super minimalist, but it's almost like a, a sling or like the, just the straps that you can kind of like slide the binos up and then let them hang back down.
1: The You mean the ones that are just like super convenient where you don't even have to like look and like use your hands? Yeah, that's the one that I use. Right, but like the the
0: is it like the tan one that's got the the flip top that no. the vinyl is nestled in? It's just the just it, the strap yeah, one.
1: It's just the strap one. So if I just had that on, it would have been just a quick like boop boop back down. Yeah, would have been yeah, yes, Pierce. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, that's going to go into another one. We're going to talk about gear here in a little bit. Um,
0: <sighs> yeah, didn't mean to throw you into the bus there. I, literally I just had that. That realization of like, well, maybe he had his, h- or his uh, bino harness off. Oh, yeah. Maybe no. he's like one of those guys who just stuffs binos in his backpack. And, no,
1: I'm an idiot. But, I just uh, wasn't wearing my harness. Oh. I just wasn't wearing it. Just a dumb dumb. That's tough. Just a <laughs> dum-dum. And that would have been sweet too, man, because that would have been like a 140-plus deer, 145-plus mm-hmm. deer on the ground. Right. That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah know, that, that would have been incredible but anyway and yeah the thermal play that went into that To yeah it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> all right so that's what i didn't do well pierce what what can we what can we throw you
0: under the bus for um you know i i think i did try to force some spots when i may, i maybe shouldn't have um okay. there were there were times uh hunting out of my folks place um that i well, it was it was the very start of my that, that November 1st there, um, we'd kind of discussed it. I, I basically, I went in, in the dark, got set up well before first light felt great about it, um, was in there. And then as light started to creep in, I didn't really realize it. I guess, until the first couple of deer started moving through, but a scrape had opened up just off of a honeysuckle bush directly below my tree. So that when a deer came through and they went to paw up the ground and then they tilted their head up to lick this branch, they looked straight at me. (laughs) And I think I, I tried to, I tried to push it thinking like, if I'm really still, or if I'm like tight to the tree, it's not going to be an issue. Um, or if I see one coming down this trail, like I'm going to shoot it before it gets to, you know, this certain, you know, basically before they reach the scrape. And I think had I had a buck come down the trail that I I wanted to shoot, yeah, it it probably would have happened, but I got seen by enough does that I think it kind of bumped them off their pattern. And obviously like. if if, if you're hunting the rut you're hunting does right like you got to be where the does are at if you're going to be you know drawing a buck near you and so i I think i just kind of forced it like I, i underplayed the impact that i really put on the land there and you know i think after i got spooked that first time i should have moved i should have completely torn down and like hopped trees and bumped around a little bit there and you know my wind was kind of swirly as well which I think in hindsight, like if, if I've got a wind that swirls like that, rather than, you know, just banking on thermals and banking on, uh, you know, what the weather says. Cause it was the kind of thing where it was like, yeah, the wind's going to be blowing, uh, you know, to the Northeast, eight miles an hour. And then you're out there and it's gusts of eight miles an hour, but then it's dead in between. And then thermals grab right. hold and right. they're causing issues. And so, I think I was just sloppy in that regard. And I think that that caused me to burn out that spot a lot quicker than I probably should have. Okay. Um, Cause normally that's a spot that you can, and like in years past too, like I've you know, before I really even paid attention to thermals and wind and all that stuff. It was just kind of, you know, we were joking on the Wisconsin sportsman yesterday about, you know, the gun strategy for that spot. Cause it's on a five acre parcel is put your butt in that stand, no matter which way the wind's blowing and get ready because you know, suddenly the whole property is pretty much unlocked to you rather than archery season where you right. got to wait for them to get close. And so, um, yeah, I, I, used to, I used to bow hunt that property just like that. And like, yeah, I would like maybe spook some deer, but I didn't get spotted like I did. Right, so I yeah. think hopping trees after I've been seen, like getting out of a spot and like trying to find somewhere better. I realized now that I was pretty backlit in that spot too. So I think I would like to you know down the road, work on what's behind me, and as the season went on, like after that hunt, like the rest of the season, I think I did make those changes pretty well when I was hunting public, but right um right. yeah, I think just trying to force it on that private's like the the number one thing that I did to screw that that property up yeah, um, yeah. that ma-
1: that makes sense man i I have something similar. I feel like that hunt that I spent the day on the ground in the marsh. I feel mm-hmm. like I was forcing it. I feel like I should have. Now, was I on the X that day? Absolutely. Right. Was I going to get away with it if a mature buck stepped through there? Probably not. <laughs> you know, like it was, it, was a, it was a tough one. You know, I probably right. should have backed off the X a little bit, gotten in a tree, because I busted every doe that came through there. Like mm-hmm. the only deer that didn't pick me off was the forky that stepped out at like six yards. Like I felt like yeah. I could trip, I, I felt like I could stick my arm or my leg out and trip this thing as he was walking in front of me. Um, but it was one of those places that it's like, you know what? I probably should have backed off just a little bit. I probably should have taken my pressure into account. I don't know. You just, you get sloppy and you feel like you can just get away with it. Like you just have that, like, ah, I can get away with this. Right. Know? Um, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um,
0: I think access, you know, coming off of that is, is another thing. Right. I mean, it's just, especially like on public and stuff too. And just being mindful. Like I did, I didn't pay attention to ground scent. I was like, there's squirrel hunters that, you know, are all over this property all the time. Like the deer are used to human scent, whatever, they don't give a crap. Like let's get in here and I'll, I'll just, my, my strategy will be get in there quietly without getting winded. But I'm still laying down ground scent, you know, I'm right. still I'm still walking, you know, the top of this draw to drop down into it when maybe I should have been granted, you know, bottom access is kind of impossible on this place. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I will say I didn't do much for, I didn't worry much about ground scent. Now, if I was going to be hunting a specific spot, I didn't like walk through that spot to get to the tree, you know, sure. like if I expected them to walk right there and i was going to get my shot right there i wasn't going to walk through that and then climb the tree right. but like i didn't worry about it a lot when it came to access um you know some of these places are just so hard to access anyway that it's like you're only if you're like well i don't have perfect access it's like okay your other option is just not hunted like, right like just not hunt that bang up spot over there you know like right. that that's your other that's your other choice and so if you've got private land like yeah make that choice like you can do it mm-hmm. But if you're if you're hunting public like we were doing, then you, you kind of don't you kind of don't have an option. You know, it's not right. like you can go in there three months beforehand and clear yourself a nice quiet lane and yep. you know have it all dialed in and ready to go. Um let's see. What else did I not do well? Man, I might catch flack for this and I hope I hope it maybe just sparks some discussion, some thought in people's own minds. I I did not stick to my own standards um, when it came to this hunt. I've always said, I've always been the type to say, don't pass on the first day what you would shoot on the last. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I kind of shot. So like counting it all up, I really had one day left to hunt because, dude, it, I spent a whole day dealing with this deer afterwards, like trying to get it cleaned up and get all my stuff, then get all my gear packed back in the car. Like there was a whole days of, a whole day worth of work that went into getting back on the road. So I, I, I was talking like I had two days left to hunt. I really had one day left to hunt, and even that okay. would have been pushing it close. So this was kind of my last afternoon, really. I probably would have hunted the next morning and then started packing. Um, so I got to that last day, and I had that buck walk through. And I did shoot the buck, and – even then my excitement was tinged with regret. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm trying to work through personally, whether that's related to like you alluded to earlier saying like, do you think that's related to the pressure that you feel because you host a podcast? You know what I mean? And I, I just want to put that out there on the air for people. Like, like there is a pressure that comes with it. Like, and I know you guys do not give a rip what I shoot. <laughs> Nobody, nobody listening to this cares what I shoot. Um, but at the same time I host a hunting podcast and like, I feel like I should be shooting bigger deer, you know, and I had opportunities at bigger deer early in the week. Um, in fact, like four days in a row earlier in the week, I had had opportunities at bigger deer. Some I passed, some I just couldn't pull the shot off. And so, you know, yeah, don't, don't don't pass on the first day what you would shoot on the last. But then there's also this element of like, well, I shot on the last day what I wouldn't have normally shot on the last day. Right. You know what I mean? And that yeah. now would I rather have come back with this buck than nothing? Absolutely. 10 days out of 10, I'd rather come back with something than nothing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I am kind of kicking myself. It's like, what could it, it was three in the afternoon. What would have happened at four? Yeah. What would have happened at four thirty? You know, what would happen at five? I don't know. What would have happened the next morning? I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It it part of me is kicking myself for that. You know, not sticking to my own standards. And my own standards weren't high. They were, you know, I wanted to shoot a deer that was a uh, hundred inches or more. You know, that mm-hmm. was kind of my goal. And I shot a deer that's probably seventy five inches, you know. And am I happy? Yeah. Is he going to be Euro mounted? Yeah. Am I sad too? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know how to deal with that. They're, like, that's a weird, like, that's a weird t- tear, I guess, in, in me mentally. And I haven't felt this kind of a tear since I shot my last rifle buck, which was in 2019. It was a six point, smaller buck, but it was in, it was deep South Alabama. So like, he was a two-year-old for sure, possibly a three-year-old. So yeah. good buck. But I shot him with a rifle. It was my first afternoon in the stand. My dad was like, hey, I got a picture of this buck coming out at this time on this food plot. And I was like, cool. And I went out there, and the buck was like five minutes early, and I shot him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I shot him at 75 yards with a .30-06, and it was over. There was no skill strategy, nothing of my own in that. Right. I, felt, I feel that same kind of like tinge right now. And I don't know what to do with it. So, Mm -hmm. um, this is basically a a 10 minute therapy session for me. um, (laughs) No, I,
0: you know, I I don't think you're alone in, in those feelings. and I think that's, you know, something that's maybe overlooked, uh, by a lot of people because it's kind of the expectation of like, well, if we're, if we're in this field, we better know how to, you know for in this field, we, we better be good enough to, to put a good deer down. Right. Right. Like, you know, and, and so you're wrestling with that, but you're also wrestling with the, well, it's my tag, it's my hunt. And it's not buck shame people. And let's not, uh, you know, make people feel like crap. It's their tag. They can shoot whatever they want. Um, right. Dude. And you know, at, at the end of the day, you still make that decision. It's still meat in the freezer, which is great. Yep. Um, You know, you can't eat antlers. It's not worth, I think I think you don't forget the feeling because it's, it's going to influence how you hunt next year, I think. Yep. And maybe, you know, I don't mean to speak for you here, but you know, maybe it's kind of thing where it's like, all right, well next year, like I didn't see what I wanted. So, all right. Last two days of the hunt, I'm hopefully going to be, uh, you know, hopefully I fill my buck tag, but otherwise like I'm doe hunting and it's on and it's a mission for this last couple of days yeah um i I don't know it's a it's a tough thing I, i literally just had the same kind of thing happen the same sort of feeling of like tinged with regret partially because my shot wasn't where i thought it was um on my wisconsin rifle opener buck but you know it's it's the kind of thing where you see those deer you get up to them and you're like ah you know it's maybe could have waited a year. Maybe I should have (laughs) waited another couple hours for something to come by. I think, I think no matter how long you've hunted for every hunters had that moment. Yeah. Unless you are super, super, super strict and you're like, Nope, I'm never shooting anything that's smaller than what I've shot previously. Like I'm only shooting bigger and bigger and bigger deer. Right. Um, you know, it, it, for a lot of everyday folks, like it's, it's tough to do. Yeah. It's really tough to do. And especially with social media now, it's it seems like, you know, by November 8th, it seems like everybody's got a buck down. Oh, right, dude. It
1: was, it and was, everybody's the worst. got a
0: slammer. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. you know, I, Ryan Glitzky, like he, he would even put out on his story. He was like, the best thing you can do to keep your mind right, like at this point in the rut is stay the hell off of social media. Right like it, and it's and it's true right I mean <laughs> yep yeah. it really is and yeah. I, I think you know it's important to if you feel bad about not feel bad but if you have this this tinge of kind of regret uh over the over the buck you shot it's it's your feeling you know what I mean yeah and I don't mean to say that to um you know to to make it sound like nobody cares, but you said it yourself. Like most people don't like, I know for a fact, nobody gives a crap, of, you know, yeah, nobody what cares. kind of buck I shot.
1: Nobody cares. You know
0: what I mean? You yeah. look at your buddies who, you know, yeah, they shot a slammer, but like, you're never going to go over to that guy's house and yeah. You know, and maybe you do, maybe you do. I don't know. But like the number of acquaintances you see on social media or whatever, who are, you know, they shot a big buck and it's like, all right, well, that's a, Hell of a deer, but I'm never going to go over to his house and have a beer with him and you know, put my hands on that and you know, talk about the hunt with him. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's, right. It, it is what it is. It, it's, yeah. The social media is the highlight reel, right?
1: Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Yeah, oh, for sure, man. And and you know what? Anybody else that shot this buck, it would be all high fives. Like if I saw anybody else shoot this buck, I would be stoked for them. Um, and I think, so here's part of it too. I thought it was a two year old, but mm-hmm. when I got up on him, I was like, Oh, okay. That's a yearling, but he's a yearling buck. That was not a forky or a spike. Like I'd been seeing all week long. No, was he, a big yearling. he was a big yearling. And so I'm like, well, crap. Like there's, there's part of me that feels that regret because he is such a big yearling. He's got like a 13 and a half inch inside spread, you know, right. Decent tine length. Like he was a good year. Like, you know, like he's one of those that at two years old, he's 115, 120, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, boy, at three, four, he could have been a toad. So part of me feels that just from a deer management perspective. Then again, it's public land. There's limited time.
0: I was just about to say that. that
1: (laughs) It it, it just, it is what it is. So um, anyway, that's me. I didn't stick. and, And I think that that's probably the disappointing part of all of it. I didn't stick to my own standards. Not anybody else's. I didn't stick to my own. Um, But you know what? I made a good kill. That's an
0: important distinction.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Your standards. I I didn't stick to Your
0: standards are unique to you. Right. Anyone listening to this, your own standards are unique to you. Right. doesn't matter what people are killing on social media. It doesn't matter what your buddies are getting. It's your tag at the end of the day. Right. So if you're not happy with it, it's on you. You got every right to complain about it. Yep. Don't do it too much. Move on. But yep. Yep. it's your feeling. For sure. For sure.
1: <clears throat> All right, Pierce, next thing that uh, maybe you didn't do so well.
0: Um, You know, I'm going to stick to um, kind of trying to force it just a little bit here. Cause I, I did that in a couple of ways. I, uh, I'm not <clears throat> trying to remember how much I discussed the, that big buck that we had on our, our private land, um, on this show. But, uh, we, we had a really, really, really nice, uh, giant. Buck. I'm sitting here like, I'm like, giant. is he an eight or a 10? I don't even know, honestly, but wasn't he a just nine or was that the
1: other one that was a nine?
0: I think I want to say this guy's a nine. I really should know this. Honestly, I was more so just looking at the frame and being like, yep, he's, he's a tank. That's what's good. But, um, anyways, just, yeah, giant, like biggest buck we've had on our property ever. Um, and I was keying in on him and I was really starting to pattern him. We had photos of him cutting through our little perfect five acre parcel. And I was like, a you know, he loves this spot on a South wind South winds, the only time I'm going to get in there and hunt him. And like, sure enough, like he, he only showed up on our camera on a South wind. Um, you know, yeah. Cameras only that's that's one spot on the property. Right. He may have been all over the place, uh, you know, 10 yards from the camera or, you know, 50 yards from it, who knows? Um, but I, I really got keyed in on that deer. And then after it kind of blew out our private, I went over to public, saw a really nice buck first day I was in there and was like, okay, that's the buck. This is where he is on this wind. I think this is where he beds. I'm going to make game plan after game plan after game plan based around this buck in this draw on this point. Right. And try and just slowly tighten the net. And I did, I had another great encounter on the same exact wind, very similar conditions, had him at 36 yards. He was just standing in some tall stuff, decided to walk away from me rather than down. Like basically he was at a fork and two trails. He went down the left one instead of coming down the right one to me. Um, Wrong fork, and I, I didn't get a crack at him, but yeah. I was very, very obsessed with hunting that deer as well as on the private hunting that big one, you know, I had these two bucks and I was like, they like these conditions in this area. Here's when I need to be in there. And I was just really locked into those areas rather than maybe being like, okay, well it is also the rut. Let's go sit a funnel, Let's go sit, you know, along some bench, some, some sort of a travel corridor instead of trying to, bed hunt this bluff buck, which was weird. Cause that, I mean, we, we've we talked about it too. Like, I, I don't know that that buck was really like ruddy on public no. by any means. Cause he was no. hanging out in his bedroom, like just after first light, just kind of milling around and then he would go and lay down. He was not mouth hanging open. He was not all bristled up. He was in his bedroom just chilling out. So yeah. I don't know if most of the rutting activity just takes place at night over there. But you would still think, but I mean, November fifth and November twelfth is when I saw him. You would still think that, like, throughout that time, he should be out cruising, right, during the day. Right. And maybe he's just he's he could just be an old old bluff buck, and you know, I think he is. I think he's definitely an older deer. Um, but I just got so locked in on that buck and that draw and those conditions and trying to like sneak in and bed hunt him rather than maybe being like, okay, well, I should go sit somewhere with a higher concentration of deer rather than throwing all my chips at this is yeah. the spot. I'm going to kill him on his way back to bed in early November. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Let me I ask think,
0: you, let so me ask ahead. you
1: this. How do you like, like, do you enjoy sitting rut funnels?
0: I do. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, I did. Like, this is kind of the, the first year that I've really had that I've really Jumped in with both feet on the public. Gotcha. Gotcha. This is, at least during the yeah. rut. Because yeah. normally I, I'll hunt public in the early season just to, you know, kind of knock the rust off and, you know, see what I can see. But then come the rut, I go to the, you know, the private and I just grind it out and wait. Right. This year I did the total opposite. Right. I shot a doe off of the private, hung out there for the first three or four days, November, and then it was all public from
1: there on out. Yeah. I'm just wondering like how much of this is like, man, you should have done something different and how much of it is like Pierce is kind of discovering what, like how he likes to hunt.
0: Dude, I do like picking out a specific box. Well,
1: that's, you, you mentioned that when we were talking last night, like, um, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that last night and I'm, I'm just wondering like, is it really a bad thing? Like, yeah, you, so Results-wise, right? Like having a buck a time on the ground. And a place for it. What's that?
0: I think there's a time and a place for it, probably.
1: Right. So maybe, maybe you should have played everything exactly the same until old son was in there every day. Yeah. And then maybe you should have bailed for the rut funnel kind Right. Of thing. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I, okay. Because I did pressure that spot, and I mean, dude, I got that spot dialed. I got it absolutely dialed. I figured out too that like one of my favorite things like my favorite thing in the woods for like access and like scooting around is finding areas that have been logged and have a bunch of downed trees cuz i love just jumping up on a downed log and running across the top of it totally silent and then dropping down you know into some thick stuff moving a little bit more popping up on the next trunk scooting along that for another yeah. you know, 10 20 feet cuz it's it's especially when it's dry, like it has been this fall, right. All the leaves are down. Like, dude, that is like the best way to get around. Yeah. It's I quiet. Think...
1: It's not necessarily low vis.
0: No, it's no, quiet. not by long. But, but if you're going in at night at and, what's
1: that, But if you're going in at night, going yeah, in in the dark, exactly. like no big deal. Yep. Um, well Pierce. All right. So we've talked about things we've done wrong and I don't want to leave the podcast there. We've got a lot of, like we've got a list of more. <laughs> I've got a lot here <laughs> of things that I did wrong that I would want to do different. Um That I just, I'm just not going to get too much into them. Those were, those were kind of the big ones that, that I've shared for me already. Um I want to talk about what we got right. Like Red. I want to, I want to walk away from this season with a win. Now, obviously I've got a win in the freezer. I just got done processing this buck, you know, yeah. yesterday. Okay got a win in the freezer. I've got his antlers and his meat in my freezer right now, which is great. Yeah. Um but I've got a couple of other wins that I got really really right. Um the first one is I'm going to play kind of off of what you were saying, that you forced things quite a bit, right? I did not force my shots this year. Yeah. I had two opportunities A third, if you count, I'm not even going to talk about that one. Two opportunities at two bucks that I would have been happy with. One was at 25 yards with a little bit of brush, and he was kind of moving at an uncomfortable pace. Mm -hmm. The second was about 35 yards, under 35, but over 30 yards for sure. Probably more in that like 33 to 35 range, right? Yeah. A little bit further than I am comfortable with. Both of these bucks were much larger than the one that I ended up shooting. Both of these bucks would have been a different story. Had I shot them, I would be sitting here like, man, I met my goal for the year. My goal was 100 inches plus. These are in that 115 plus range, okay? Got video of the one working a scrape. Friggin' beautiful, right? Uh, I did not force those shots, though. I did not take the 25-yard shot through brush because I'm shooting expandable broadheads this year. Mm -hmm. Um I wouldn't have taken it with fixed blade either, but the expandable part went through my head when I like drew back and I was like, Oh mm, no. And I let down. Yeah. Um, And then I didn't force the long shot, you know? And so I am really proud of that. That is a huge win for me in the past. That buck would have come in. I would have drawn back and that arrow would have been gone. And I would have been like, what happened? Like I would have zero recollection of, of what, what went on. Um, but I didn't do that, man. I did that, I did that right. I was controlled. I was calm. I didn't try to force those deer to come home with me. Granted, those were both, mm, no, one was actually the last day uh, of my hunting, but yeah. So I I was proud of, of that specific point because that highlights a growth area for me. So, uh, Pierce, I'm curious, what highlights a growth area for you when you look back on your season? any instance.
0: I think just touching on what you just said there too I think kind of the feelings that you had there too of like sticking to your own standards and like that sort of feeling of remorse or a little bit of after you you know took that deer down and all that is I think that's another sign of growth too and I mean just just having that awareness of like you know that's it's not quite what my standards are. And establishing those standards, I think as an outdoorsman is, you know, a a room that, an area for growth that never really goes away. You know what I mean? Like just kind of having in your mind, this is what I'm after. Um, As far as myself, I, I I do think I, I, I'm very proud of how hard I got into that public and how much I pushed myself out of my comfort zone and, you know, really tack. I basically I was, I had two public properties that I was targeting polar opposites. One was a bunch of islands, like a whole chain of them kind of in this marshy area. The other was a bunch of just like bluffs. Like it was like straight up bluff country. It was a super steep half mile hike um, to get up to where I needed to be. And, you know, just, really diving in to both of those areas throughout the early season um, and then during the rut and everything and finding, finding fresh sign, finding where the deer are at, getting the confirmation of, you know, at least in the bluffs of like, you know, the first morning in there, granted, I forgot my, uh, <laughs> forgot to wear my saddle <laughs> in, um, <clears throat> oh, man! but you know, had I not forgotten that and I would have gotten set up in there, um, I probably, I don't know that I would have seen that buck. Right. I, I really don't. I have right. no clue. I, I got in there a half hour before first light had to hike all the way back out to get it. Got back to my car at first light, if not a couple minutes after, and then hiked all the way back in. So it was probably 20, 30 minutes after first light. And lo and behold, there's this buck. And, uh, you know, so I don't really know. Maybe I would have seen it. Maybe I wouldn't have. Right. Uh, but you know, pushing into these areas, um, you know kind of like like we said getting out of my comfort zone finding these spots um i'm honestly i'm really proud of how much better i've gotten at e scouting and picking out like here's where if i uh, here's right. where it looks like deer are using this stuff and just kind of getting quicker and quicker at identifying uh you know different pinch points and you know trying to figure out where the benches are at and cause i think that's something that like you know a lot of people especially if you're you know newer to hunting and stuff you hear everybody talks about oh there's a pinch putt or pinch point here's a funnel um you know there's this bench and you know there's these saddles and stuff like that but dude I remember you know not that long ago all those terms were just kind of like buzzwords and they were completely foreign to me I'm like okay I know deer like pinch points and yeah you should sit in a rut funnel but like how do I get into a rut funnel and how do I like set up on it like do I set up on it how do I set up near it what's close enough what's too far like Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the growth that I made in, in that regard of picking out spots on the map and saying like, all right, this looks pretty darn good. Let's go in, get boots on the ground confirmation, and then figure out what tree I need to be in to set up off of that spot.
1: Right. And I think there's a, there's that growth process too, where, you know, we think about it in a single season where we're like tightening the noose around mm-hmm. the deer that we're after. But I yeah. think that's I think that's probably a good way to look at what we're doing with with map scouting and that kind of thing too. Like we're mm-hmm. we're slowly tightening that noose of understanding when it comes to like okay, where are the deer going to be? You know what I mean? Right. And, and every year we're a little tighter and a little closer. Uh but man, you called it. Like in both spots. Like you called where you were going to find deer sign and like mm-hmm. where you were going to get on the deer. So yeah, I think you did You did a great job with that.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you think it's more beneficial when you're going into public or you're trying to break down the area? Do you think it's more beneficial to, like, pick a certain spot and be like, I am going to figure out this 10, 15-acre block, (laughs) and I'm going to learn it like the back of my freaking hand or looking at the property as a whole and being like, this looks dirty I'm going to go here today and see what happens there. And eh, it wasn't that great. I'm going to go over here the next day when, cause I, I'm, I almost kind of have like that, that FOMO where I'm like, I'm missing yeah. something like there, there, there's gotta be something more in here. Like there's a trail that cuts through here and there's trails branching off of it. Like, where are they going? there's gotta be, you know, something, some part of the puzzle that I'm missing in this one little spot. Like what, what is it? Yeah,
1: man. I, I laugh at that because, like, so I've got a piece of public down the road. It's 30,000 acres. Yeah. I'm literally warring right now with, like, how do I approach this? Yeah. Do I decide, okay, this is the area, this is the 500, this is my 500 (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to learn it like the back of my hand and know everything about it, or am I going to hunt this spot over here and then check out this spot over here and then this spot over here and that spot over here? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, feel, like, I feel like generally speaking, anywhere that I go, if I section off a 500-acre chunk, there is an animal in there that I would be happy to shoot. Yeah. And so is 500 acres learnable? I think so. I think you, I think you can take 500 acres and learn it like the back of your hand may take you a couple seasons, may Mm -hmm. take you two, maybe even three seasons, but I think you can learn it. So I think long-term that's probably the best approach at the same time. I, I think a lot of it probably has to do with, with temperament, like, are you the adventurous type? You know, what's your, what's your specific goal for that specific property? And you know, for me, it just happens to oftentimes be like, I want to learn this spot, like the back of my hand so that I can like where I hunt in, in Wisconsin right now. I know of four killer spots. I've got a spot for any wind that I would feel confident sitting on any given day access is simple enough that I can get in there somewhat clean and feel confident hunting it. There's a lot of right. other really good spots that I'd love to learn. It's a beast to get in there. You just yeah. you're not going to do it quiet and your your hunt is blown like <clears throat> maybe you get back in there and get lucky, but to me a 2 mile hike for hoping to get lucky not good enough, right? Right. So, I've got that spot dialed. I know it like the back of my hand. Hopefully that will free me up to in future years when I'm hunting this spot to say, uh, now I can go be adventurous. Like I've got right. a spot that I know I can make targeted strikes. I can also, <clears throat> you know, head out there to where you're hunting and, you know, go blow up that, that, uh, go blow up that drainage that you were trying to hunt
0: that way. <laughs> and I, you know, I will say this too. Had I not seen that buck in there on that first day, I would have, probably dipped
1: you just written that place off
0: i don't know if i would have written it off because there was some massive sign okay. like especially up at the top of it like there was a huge like heavy scrape and you know that first morning after i saw that buck i moved around to the other side of the drainage where where he would kind of gone and as i walked past this scrape i stopped took a leak in it and uh you know, got set up, sat there for another like two, three hours. And this was probably like a hundred yards or so from where I ended up uh, setting up on that other side. Dude, when I walked back out, that scrape, like the branch over top of it had been snapped and ripped off and was laying on top of that, uh, that scrape. So I mean, deer were Jeez. using it. Like they were all over the place. And there was, yeah. I mean, biggest, biggest, most aggressive rubs I've ever seen in my life. And so I was, you know, feeling confident in there. I think I probably would have neglected the side that I ended up actually hunting, like where that buck was, but you know, do you a lot of late season?
1: Yeah. Do you think that that other guy that was in there is pretty much the only other hunter in there?
0: I know, no. Cause there's one, cause I tried setting up over that scrape one day and I was set up in this tree Um, it was kind of an, it was an okay set, but I look to my left and like level with me, like probably, I don't know how this dude did it, but like probably like 15 to 18 feet up in this tree, there's a trail cam. Like, I think it was one of the lone wolf ones, but there's a trail cam up on top of that shining down, not on the scrape, but on the, uh on the trail that led out of this draw or this drainage and branched off to go to the scrape. Interesting. So
1: one of the lone, I don't know if that guy's
0: just a gun, a gun hunter or, or what exactly, but Uh, I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing I just, I heard it as you uh, gave me that look, this guy with the lone wolf camera, I don't think he's just a gun hunter. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. We're going to have to talk about that off air.
0: Yeah. No, but, I think I know where you're going with this. Let's
1: put, let's put, yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. So take a <laughs> <pen in it>. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, so, um, anyway, I'm going to talk about the last thing that I did well to wrap this up Then we'll get back to you. And, uh, man, one thing that I did do well, I hunted midday a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I even sacrificed a couple of evenings so that I could hunt midday. Cause like I would hunt until two, three o'clock. And then I was like, there's a little bit of intel that I need. I need to do a little bit of scouting. When am I going to do that scouting? Well, I would do it in the evening. Or I would do it on my way out at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I would, you know, not necessarily hunt the evening. Or I would go do like an observation sit or ride the roads or something like that for an evening. Um, right. The reason that I liked that approach so much, number one, I wasn't always getting back so late. You know, getting mm-hmm. back from the, from the woods so late. Um, number two, I saw deer every midday that I hunted. Every day that I hunted middle of the day, Mm -hmm. I saw deer every day that I hunted middle of the day, I saw bucks. So they weren't always big. Um, but you know what? I got a shot at a friggin' toad at two 45 in the afternoon. Yeah. And then, and here's the, here's the kicker two 45 in the afternoon. He comes running through. I take the shot. I shave his back. I look over into the bedding area that he just came from and I just see a right main beam that's angled down and it's a a buck walking and I can't tell how big it is, but I can just see the slow lumber of when you get that big, that, you know, a big, big boy and he's walking with that stiff legged kind of walk. That's all I saw was just that like, you know, slow cadence of this big rack sticking up and walking through. So my thought was potentially at least a more mature deer was up in that bedding area that day and had pushed that other deer out. And that's why he came cruising by me. Now, granted, the deer that cruised by me was 135 plus inches uh, with a sweet little drop tine. And so (laughs) I'd have been real happy with him. Um, But the slow lumbering of the, of that, Right main beam that I saw, man, it's just been sticking with me. But, yeah, so hunt middle of the day, stick it out. I mean, if you're hunting near food sources, maybe don't hunt, near, hunt in the middle of the day. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that might be dumb. But for sure, um, hunt middle of the day um, if you're in and around bedding areas. And yeah. that's what I saw. Uh, with that, I will say, I saw more bucks who uh, would come and check the the entrance and exit trails, Um, of the bedding. Then I saw bucks cruising downwind. Um, sure. Yeah. They were often on the downwind side, but a lot of times they were on the upwind side, uh, just because of where I was positioned between them. Um, and they would stop at the little entrance and exit trails and like walk it two or three feet, five feet, six feet, 10 feet, and then go Mm -hmm. back out. They looked like a bird dog trying to find one. I also saw bucks not cruising the downwind side or not checking uh, you know the entrance and exit trails, but just barreling through the the bedding area, <laughs> you know, yeah. just haul off and run straight through it. Those sure. weren't necessarily the big ones, um, but they were there were bucks up and moving yeah. right. So, um, anyway, hunt the middle of the day. I did that really well this time. I'm gonna keep doing it really well. Uh, and a lot of it was the morning movement was kind of garbage this year. Yeah. Like I did not see a lot of bucks. I didn't see a lot of deer before nine a.m on any day. And a mm-hmm. lot of that could be because my whole strategy, like I was in and around doe betting every day. Right. Like there wasn't a day that I wasn't basically in doe bedding um, mm-hmm. or just on the edge of it. Right. So it could have just been more of my strategy and like what I was, you know, where I was putting myself that was putting me on midday deer, but definitely uh, hunting midday was, a, was a big one. So so uh, last right. one for you, Pierce, something you did really well this year that you, You know, we need to continue to do for next.
0: Well, you know, I'm going to touch on yours. What you just said Uh, again—that that's hunting midday is something I didn't really do this year, and Mm. I'm kicking myself for that big time. You know, it was just kind of the—it was just the kind of thing where, yeah, and part of it was I got so keyed in on that buck and his bedding. Um, But man, that like I—it's one of those things. I I did not sit a single rut funnel midday this year. Mm. And I probably should have, I really, really probably should have, I had probably, I mean, I did have a couple of midday sits, um, you know, out on our private land and I saw a couple of deer then, but it was after I'd kind of blown things out. Well, that first day, actually, when I saw that big nine, um, yeah, I mean, I saw him at two 53 o'clock, something like that, shoving a doe around and,
1: okay. yeah.
0: you know, then I, you know, blew my scent at him. So you know, <laughs> it's on me. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I, you know, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword there, whatever with getting keyed in on this, um, you know, th- these, these bucks and their specific areas and their specific patterns. I do think I did a lot better job than this year than in years past of like actually identifying the patterns and keying in on, okay, a buck likes to be in this area with this wind, so I can set up kind of, I I can figure this out, um, you know, figure out what tree I need to be in based off of that. I'm going to intentionally hunt on these specific wins and make a play in the setup off of that. Right. Um, right. Kind of go from there. So.
1: Highly strategic. Yeah. Highly strategic.
0: Yeah. That, and I mean knocking the rust off early and shooting a doe. Yeah. That felt good.
1: Yeah. That was a good one. I need to do that next year. That's one of the things that I'm going to do next year. Um, for sure get out for a couple of hunts, knock the rust off before, like, and I, I mean, just busyness didn't allow me to do that this year. Um, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. Um, you know, next year will hopefully be a little bit different, but, um, a couple of things that I'm going to do different this year. I'm just going to throw these out there real quick and run through them. And maybe you've got a couple as well. Number one, I know we both talked about off air postseason scouting. We are going to hammer the postseason okay. scouting this year. I did not do that much this year. We had, you know, I've, uh, I guess six months ago or a year ago, uh, I had just moved here not long ago and trying to figure out the public here and trying to figure out like when the freaking, you know, gates are open so I can drive my vehicle Mm -hmm. onto the 30,000 acres because parking at the edge of 30,000 acres and then trying to go scouting for the day is not fun. Um, no 30,000 acres is a lot of land. So I don't, I don't want to walk, I don't want to walk five miles down the road before I want to go into the woods and walk another mile. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that sounds and feels really lame and like a waste of time. Um, So postseason scouting is going to be big for me. Number two, I'm going to get my shooting dialed as with all the research that I've done the last couple of years, I have missed wounded or grazed several bucks that were all really good. And it's all been shooting high, like directly Mm -hmm. over the vitals, like just across the top of the back. And, um, I'm thinking that that's a form issue. So I'm going to spend a good bit of time shooting, uh, from an elevated position at about 15 to 20 yards. Cause that's Mm -hmm. the way I'm setting up. I'm getting shots at 15 to 20. Most of the time. Like those are my shots, 15 to 20, 25 is a longer shot for where I'm like really positioned. Um, and so I, I think 30, you know, just over 30 was my longest shot opportunity of the entire trip, you know, period. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to spend a lot of time shooting at that downward angle because of all the research that I've done, I think I'm dropping my bow arm, uh, you know, instead of keeping good T form. And when I'm practicing in the backyard and shooting off the balcony and stuff, I keep good form, but I'm not doing that in the heat of the moment. I'm certainly not doing that practicing, you know, getting wrapped up in my tether, you know, spun around with my back to the tree that's leaning towards me and taking weird angled shots. I'm not doing enough of that. So I need to do more of that. And then the last one, I need to get my my gear dialed in, man. Like I I've got to ditch the full length Lone Wolf sticks. Those have got to go. I'm too short for full length sticks. Um
0: I know a guy who might take them.
1: Yeah. Hey, it, it, they're yours. They're they're all yours, man. They're great sticks. Like they're wonderful sticks. I really do dig them. Um the yeah, they're, I'm, I'm just too short for it. Like they either, they either hang down too far. And so they catch on stuff beneath me or they stick up too high and they catch on stuff above me. Or if mm-hmm. I turn them sideways and they're way too wide, you know? Right. How and long so, are those sticks? 32 inches.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, real long.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Real long. Um, you know, when my torso is 32 inches, I mean, I'm five foot seven. So like, that's a, that's a lot of stick. That's almost three mm-hmm. feet. Like that's, that's, you know, half my height, but, um, anyway, um, yeah, that's it for me, man. Any uh, fast, you know, rapid fire, couple things you're going to be doing different this off season that you're committing to now that you want to put out there in front of thousands of listeners <laughs> and say, I'm going to do this so that next year we can give you crap <clears throat> for not doing it.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm right, right alongside you. I'm going to be doing a lot of post-season scouting this year, um, I'm going to really, I, I just really want to have those spots dialed in. Right. I, I want to have a good idea. I want to have visual confirmation going in. Okay. Last year, this is where things were. This is the general area where, you know, uh, you know, post these were the big intersections. These were, this is how the deer are using the land, especially cause I've got some new areas kind of in mind, uh, that I'm going to be trying to dial in here. Um, The other one, honestly, I want to shoot more 3D next year. I really do. I only shot the block this year and was shooting at dots. And uh, it, you know, when I hit that doe, that was, I felt good about it. It was a good shot. She was down in seconds. She only ran like 60 yards. But I still, like, I hit her just a little bit high and a little bit further back than where I, like, would have liked to. And I just think, you know. I think a big part of that is not shooting more 3d and not just getting that visual practice of putting my pin where it needs to be on, you know, an animal shaped target right? um, right. and doing that. Other than that, I mean, I'm kind of with you on the gear front as well. I'm just trying to get things dialed in there. I feel pretty good about where things are at now and kind of figured out, like I run the Hawk helium sticks, which last year, like, drove me freaking crazy because of how loud they are and the like suction cup attachment thing. Like it just drove me up a freaking wall. And so then I figured out taking a little sandpaper and sanding out those cups. You're going to do that for yourself. Be very, very gentle with it because it's really easy to do (laughs) that too much. And then you lose that lip and then uh, your sticks don't stay together. So that's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, But I figured the best way to like separate those things is basically to like hold the stacked sticks between my legs and then pull them from the top up so that that way they can't rattle and go flying off or anything like that. And just kind of like squeeze them between my thighs, pop one loose, pull it off, set it down, get the next one, pull it off, separate them, hook them on my saddle, get up the tree. Um, I don't know. I think doing that kind of stuff, I'll probably be investing in some more stealth strips uh, going into the season just with my platform and stuff. That was like honestly the loudest piece of gear that I had all all season. Like it, it drove me absolutely crazy. Right. Um, and still is. But I think that's what I got.
1: And we need the, the gear. We need the latitude boys to send us some sticks, man. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> be honest with you. Like that's I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like uh, you know, you guys are listening. Uh let's send us let's some talk. sticks. Yeah, let's send me let's talk. just send me some sticks, man. I just want some sticks. <laughs> 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 or or if you're a listener out there, I've actually had some guys reach out and recommend different sticks and stuff. Um, you know, guys who've got multiple, like Lone Wolf custom gear, latitude sticks, blah, 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 blah. If anybody's got some latitudes that they're like, hey, uh, you know, interested, maybe selling these, parting ways with them, something like that, let me know. Um, but you know, if you're one of those, if you're one of those guys that works for latitude, like send me, uh, send me some sticks. You know where to find me. <laughs> I know you got my email address. Like I know, I know for a fact you got my email address. So because uh, so we've talked. So uh, anyway, send me some sticks, uh, Pierce, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. I hope folks have picked up some things, guys. I encourage you to be thinking this time of year about. What did you not do well this year? But then make sure you're circling back to what did I do well? Did you put yourself on the deer? Did you put yourself in the right places? And for me and for Pierce, man, we did that. You know, we put ourselves mm-hmm. in the right places. We were on deer. We had opportunities. Wonderful. We can build on that. That's a foundation that we can improve from, uh, you know, going into, into next season. Yeah. But before that, Pierce, we got turkey season, and that's all my mind yeah. is, is thinking I about can't it right wait, now. Man. Hey,
0: you know, one last thing, though. Yeah, We, 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 we kind of wrapped up the Wisconsin sportsman with it yesterday. But, folks, in this season of giving, give each other the gift of some shared time outdoors, especially there you you know, go. Wisconsin yep. rifle season is alive and well right now. Iowa's got a shotgun season coming up. I know there's a lot of gun seasons going on right now. If
1: you're in the South, basically everybody and their brother can legally carry a <laughs> firearm to shoot deer right now. So
0: yeah, do yourselves a favor, do your friends a favor. If you've got a buddy who's never gone hunting before offer to bring them out, invite them to come yep. with on a hunt, share that experience with them, show them what it's all about. Uh, be good representatives to uh, the sport of deer hunting. Cause We've all, heard. I think a lot of people, I feel like this year more than ever, we've been hearing about like how much deer hunting really does do for conservation. Yeah, I forget what the stats were, but it's like 80% of all hunting licenses sold are deer tags, so yep. that's a lot of conservation dollars at work right yep. there. So yep. get folks involved, go put some deer on the ground, go put some meat in the freezer, yeah. donate it if you want. I mean,
1: that's what I was gonna say go shoot a bunch fun. of deer, like take somebody. Yeah. Take somebody and then shoot a bunch of deer with them. Shoot, like, fill all your doe tags. Yeah. Go do it. It'll be fun. Mm,
0: especially if you're in a CWD high area. Yeah. Take
1: care of business. Boy, the politics around CWD. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Whatever. Go kill a bunch of deer, folks.
0: Cheers. Yeah, thanks for luck, coming folks. on the show. Thanks for having me, Josh.
1: Yep. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, yeah. Cool. We'll see you next time, everybody. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx.